This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Aminio left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. We are live here from the town, from Ricky Henderson Field, as we get you ready for the Athletics going to be taking on the Texas Rangers. Batting practice is going on as we speak for the Athletics. And I got to tell you, it is an absolute beautiful day here in Oakland, California. Good to see Chad Pender out taking ground balls right now. Starling Marte is walking by as he'll be in the lineup today against a Texas Rangers team where you're kind of like, who? Who are these guys? After all the trades and everything has gone on, uh, this is a far different team. And the Athletics, let's be honest, they need to feast on these guys. And this is a triple-A lineup, if you could ever talk about a triple-A lineup in big league baseball. They've made all the trades. They're in full rebuild mode. So we'll talk to Roxy Bernstein. He'll be calling the game today for the A's at 415. The Hall of Famer, Eric Nadell, will be here at 430, winner of the Ford C. Frick Award, uh, one of the great broadcasters that we have here in our game, Texas Rangers. Jan Gomes, a catcher who has gotten off to a great start with the athletics. He will be here right after batting practice. And then we'll have David Forrest, the general manager, at 5 o'clock. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Ramon Laureano with David. But really the thing that interests me, Commander Cody, how are you, by the way? I'm doing well. Uh, well, we'll get to what I, what I was thinking about, but we'll get to that later. I can't wait to ask David what the final day before 1 o'clock was like at the trading deadline. When I'm sitting there, I got, I got MLB Network, I got ESPN on, we're watching these, these trade deadline shows, and it's like every couple seconds. Greg, uh, what's that, Greg? Greg Amesinger. Amesinger, jeez. And he's just like, oh, here's another trade. Oh, here's another. Like, what was it like for front offices when you're trying to get deals done, but you're looking up the television and you're seeing – all the different moves that are being made. What was this day like to be in, I don't know, we call it the war room. Uh, we'll, we'll find out what it was like. It had to be pretty crazy. But obviously, the big deal today, and it's really, really sad. And, you know, guys still are taking substances that are banned by Major League Baseball. Guys are still testing positive, And they're risking big paychecks. They're risking their career. And, uh, and it's, you know, sad that Ramon Laureano has been suspended for 80 games. I'll let you, Cody, try and uh, uh, pronounce it. What is the uh, drug that he tested positive for? Uh, Nandrolone is what I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say. But this The same thing happened a couple years ago when we tried to pronounce what happened with Frankie Montas when that happened. Oh, that was way worse. That was way harder than this. Yeah, yeah this is – so I, I Googled it for you. Uh, I called you to let you know when this happened. I Googled it, and according to WebMD, I'm no expert. 
Uh, I'm just getting married to someone that's an expert, but I didn't even ask her what it was because, well, well let's, let's, how, let's, how would she know? She, she delivers, she delivers, she delivers she, babies. So what does she, she know? Yeah, she's delivering babies, not dealing with anabolic steroids. Yeah, well, that's what, according to YMD, that's what it says it is. So it's an 80-game suspension for Ramon for Nandrolone. Uh, and according to David Force and Martin Gallegos on Twitter, Seth Brown will be coming up to join the A's tonight. Join the A's tonight. So Seth Brown will be back from a Triple A Las Vegas. So I've had a couple of people text me since this come out. No, he's not eligible to play for the rest of the year. No, he's not eligible to play in the playoffs. You will not see Ramon Laureano until 2022. And it's just, it's sad. I wonder, and we'll ask David, is this because of the injury? If you remember, he was injured, never went to the minor leagues. Did he try to speed up the recovery process? You know, the, the, the deal is this. Everything that a human being needs is in that clubhouse, legally. Anything that they need, any kind of protein shake, any kind of recovery thing, any kind of whatever is legal is in the clubhouse. Everything in the clubhouse has been approved by Major League Baseball. If you go outside the clubhouse and you take something, you're running the risk of testing positive. You've been warned. You've been told. You know the deal. You're a professional athlete. I'm not even going to read the statement because there's no point to. Folks, you don't. an anabolic steroid doesn't get in your system because you ate Reese's peanut butter cups. All right? It's not because it was in your steak dinner. All right? And they don't sell anabolic steroids at a place like GNC. You can't walk in and go, hey, can I get steroids? That doesn't happen. So these athletes always know what they're putting in their body. And you're running the risk and you're hoping you don't get caught. We still to this day have never had one guy who tests positive for steroids. And they debate whether the how it got in their body and they're going to find this out we've never had one guy ever come back and go oh this is how it happened big poppy no one has ever you know when a-rod denied it no one rafael palmero no one has ever come back and said oh i got it from this substance and this is why i should be cleared they always tell you they're going to figure out the answer they never figure out the answer. Or you can blame the FedEx guy, i.e. Uh, Ryan Braun. Yes, right. Yeah, the guy was out to get him. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same it's the same thing. Um, you run the risk, and they're going to test everybody at some point. And if you got something dirty in your system, you're going to get caught. And you're going to you're going to if if you do the do the crime, you're going to do the time. I mean that that is the bottom line, and that's what's happening with Ramon Laureano, and it's sad. But you know what? Just like what we saw in the past, whether it's Frankie Montas, whether it's Bartolo Colon, it's a next man up mentality. And you just have to move on. And luckily, the A's made those trades that I think they can withstand this. Because now you take a guy so versatile like Josh Harrison and you move him into left field, and you take Mark Canna, you put him in right field, you got Marte in center. I mean, my God, if the A's didn't make those deals right before the deadline, what would we be talking about today? It'd be, it'd be some doom and gloom, but 
it's not like Ramon Laureano is having this un- unbelievable year. He's gotten some hits lately, took his average from the 230s up into the 240s. But if you're telling me you have to replace a guy who's hitting in the 240s, that's doable. That's definitely doable. Now, it would have been easier with, with the waiver wire process if that was still around where you claim a guy off the waiver process and you can still get him. But obviously, that is gone. And you, 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 can't, you can't improve your team anymore when, once you're in August. But that's why I think it's so critical of what the A's did at the deadline. They can withstand this. I think there's no question about it. And now it, it, it becomes... You know, can Stephen Piscotty, and that's something that we'll ask David and we'll probably have Bob Melvin on tomorrow, is is he healthy and can he get it going? Because if you had a healthy Stephen Piscotty that you can put out in right field, that would be a situation that would really help this ball club. Yeah, well, you look at Piscotty's numbers and the limited playing time he has. If you're looking just at the baseball reference, back of the baseball card for this year. Oh, thank you, Mr. Cliche. Uh, the numbers aren't great. I mean, he has five home runs, 207 average, 14 RBI, and he has a negative war. But he played sparingly. He's been injured. But he's been a plus player when he, act, when he actually is on the field and healthy. We saw it a couple years ago when he had over, what, 27 home runs? He was a, he was a top prospect in the Cardinal system. So you know what he can what he can do. And you're bringing back Seth Brown. He, he he has a lot of power, but that's that's about it. I mean, the average isn't there. Is he even but, hitting 200 when uh, he's up here? I don't think he I was. I think he's still in the 190s. But he had but he had what 12 home runs when he was up here. So you have you got the home run power with him. But Ramon on the year was hitting 246. He had the 14 homers, the 39 RBI, and the 12 steals. So I mean, we were talking about him maybe being a 2020 guy, which it looked like he was going to be easily when the year was starting because he had so many stolen bases the first month of the season. But uh, you're right though. The, the move to get Marte. At the deadline was something that, that helped bolster this, and you know they can withstand it now with Josh Harrison's versatility to be able to play in the outfield, and that's a, that's a big key going forward because now you can put him out there. You can have Jed play second base. You can have Moreland DH. You can even have Piscotty DH if you need to uh, against um, against lefties. So there you go. I mean that's something you could do in, in, in the in the in the meantime, and then you know next year you'll get Ramon back sometime next year during the season because it's 80 games. I forget how many games are left this season. So it'll be somewhere like. Well, we got basically two months of baseball. Yeah, so you got what April next year, probably April, early May, maybe next year is when you'll see Ramon back with the A's. And the statement that was originally put out by the A's before David Forrest and and Bob Melvin spoke was, "Hi, Vince. That's a great Vince Catronio right there." I was wondering wondering who was tapping me. I mean, when you talk about rock star of rock stars. By the way, you're coming on the air, Roxy. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. All right, all right. That's right there. Trash cans behind us. Uh, Have a great call, uh, Vince. The, the A's were disappointed to learn of the suspension. We fully support MLB's joint drug prevention and treatment program. We will welcome Ramon back after the discipline has been served. So uh, that's the statement that was put out as, this, as the news came down about Ramon Laureano uh, about, about two hours ago. So, Yeah, it's sad. I mean. Good thing this is coming against the Rangers, not when the Yankees are in town. Because the Yankees are a game and a half back. They're playing really well. The Blue Jays are playing really well. The Red Sox are kind of scuffling. We're not talking wild card. Well, we only talk division on this show well, okay, as the A's are only four games four back. Four games back. And the Astros just put Yuli Gurriel on the IL. And my, my new favorite pitcher, Dodger legend, <laughs> Max Scherzer, getting uh, it done for the athletics against the Houston Astros. The, the guy that called the game and Max Scherzer's debut will be joining us in a few minutes. Well, I mean, nothing says Dodger baseball like the peninsula in Northern California. Yeah, and and also I can't wait for that wonderful broadcast 
uh, in Iowa, the Field of Dreams game, uh, where my broadcaster is going to be on the peninsula. My other one's, I think, going to be in Atlanta. Nothing says Iowa like that. I don't know. Maybe, Roxy, maybe you got away with one there. You don't have to go to Iowa because I don't even know what part of Iowa. I watched the movie. If you build it, they were come. What part of Iowa is that? Are there different parts of Iowa? I didn't know. <laughs> I have been to Iowa before. Oh, I'm sure you've called something from Ames. I or... have done two games in Ames. Cal played out there against Iowa State in hoops years ago. And I was there for an Iowa State-Texas game. Uh, when Texas was in the Big 12, and, of course, we know they're leaving. But Rick Barnes was the coach at Texas, and the mayor – Fred Hoiberg was the coach of Iowa State at the time. So, yeah, flying in out of Des Moines to get to Ames, about a 40-minute drive, not bad. So you called the game where my new favorite Dodger, Max Scherzer, uh, just how weird was it? I know for me watching it, it was just weird to see him in Dodger blue, but thankfully he was because anybody who plays the Astros is a friend of mine. (laughs) It was cool to see that. I know the crowd was – for a number of reasons, was amped up Wednesday night. They certainly were jacked Tuesday for the first time that fans could be in the ballpark at Dodger Stadium with the Astros in town. Like They played in interleague last year, but fans weren't allowed. Yeah. Um, so it was the first time that Dodger fans got to heckle the Astros. And it was crazy. From everything I heard, like pregame on Tuesday, the first game, like Dodgers would hit home runs into the pavilion out there, the bleachers. They're firing the baseball back at the, at the Astros. Right, and then Wednesday the game got halted a couple times because fans somehow throw, were throwing trash cans out onto the outfield on the warning track. So, That's awesome, it, you know. <laughs> but you know, the, the Scherzer was terrific. I mean, you could see he was amped up. Right, this meant a lot to him. And then he gives up a home run to the second batter. Brantley takes him deep, and the Astros are up one nothing. But then the Dodgers come right back in the bottom of the first, and Mookie Betts, first batter. Straightaway center, then Will Smith goes opposite field, and the Dodgers put a four spot up against Odorizzi, who didn't look good in that game, and the Dodgers wind up with the win. Got a little interesting late, but L.A. held them off. Um, but Betts had a great game. Bellinger is still kind of a mess right now for the Dodgers. I know he had an opposite field double, but they're they're batting him eight in that lineup because he's been – since he's come back from the injured list in late June, he's hitting like 140. So they got to get him right, clearly. But when they get everybody back and rolling, they're deep, that lineup, as we know. Um, and just Scherzer makes that pitching even better. Then they sign Cole Hamels to a deal, so that gives them possibly another weapon to use. Look, I, I, I'm, I don't think we'll ever see Trevor Bauer pitch for the Dodgers again. Um, Do you think he's just done? I think forever? he's done. I, I, look, if if these accusations are true and it's the investigation's going on, if there are criminal charges filed, um, I don't see how he throws another pitch in the major leagues. Do you? Probably not. I mean, he shouldn't. I mean, if this stuff is yeah. true and he gets charged, I mean, he's going to jail. Yeah, yeah, he he, he could. He very well could. So the Pasadena police, I guess, are still conducting their investigation. And I know the suspension was lengthened and extended. So, what, to the middle of August now. So we'll see, you know, what happens. But 
you know, I was a little nervous the other night because when our game goes into extra innings, so I was in for Ken on Wednesday. Yeah. And we go 10, and then I got to wait for Olsen to do the post-game interview. I'm looking at my watch. Okay, I've got a 6.30 first pitch. Luckily, I go against the traffic leaving here, so I'm going over the San Mateo Bridge. So I made it home at 5.15 with a first pitch at 6.40. And I called you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> like I was 10 minutes to airtime when you called me. Yeah, and he's like, hey, I got to go. I got a game to call. I went, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, we're, we're talking shop. I had to pull – I had to turn my microphone off because I didn't want a Rachel Nichols incident. So uh, so nobody could hear what we were saying. But here, here's the other thing that has made this model that I'm working on for ESPN a little challenging where I'm calling these games from home, as you know. I'm doing the Giants and the Brewers tomorrow from home, even though the game's in Milwaukee. But – I didn't have the feeds weren't good from ESPN. Take, we take them in from Dodger Stadium and Dodgers TV until the second inning. So the whole first inning, Singy, Chris Singleton, and I are watching the game on the MLB.TV app or the MLB app, and we're calling the game off the app with no crowd sound. Oh, wow. So, and we had to make sure that the app was synced up, and we were like three seconds off between the two of us, so it still worked. And the feeds finally got working in the second inning. And then we had the, the natural sound and the crowd mics and everything working. But that made it a little challenging. And the game I did, was it last week? The Red Sox and the Blue Jays? We didn't get the feeds till like 15 minutes before the game. So that has become an issue. And we're, our, the powers that be at the Worldwide Leader are aware of some of the technical uh, obstacles we have been dealing with. Well, it's... Uh Tough to call a game that you can't see. <laughs> Is it, you think? Yeah. That's like old school where, you know, they would get some, um, however they would get the information, and then they'd do the fake crack of the bat, <laughs> and it's a double down the line. And, turn, and all of a sudden you turn the knob up on the crowd sound. Uh, so I was a little on edge, as you could imagine. But or if, if I have to call the game off like MLB Game Tracker, that would be a little tough. You guys got to talk to uh, Bob Melvin yeah. for a little bit in the dugout. Uh, what was he saying about Ramon? It's it's just disappointing for everybody involved, right? Unfortunately, the A's have been through this before. Um, Ramon was really emotional, and he was sorry. He feels he let everybody down in that clubhouse is what, what Bob was saying. And well, he did. It stinks. It really does. And it comes at a rough time because we know how critical he is to this team. And it's not just the offense that he provides, but the energy, being in the clubhouse, volunteering to go to right field to let Starling Marte have center, right? Things like that. He's such a team guy, and he can help you in so many ways, whether it's with the bat, whether it's with his legs, whether it's with the arm. Uh, and, look, he started that rally in the ninth inning uh, or on Wednesday with that double and that great at bat against Melanson. And it just – it's unfortunate for everybody, And but for Bob, for the guys in the clubhouse, yes, you're up – you're frustrated and it stinks, but you got to turn the page, right? You have to have a short memory. You have to be like maybe like a closer in this situation and forget what happened. Luckily, the A's in David Forrest and Billy Bean have done a really good job of accumulating some depth. So now, look, you're not going to replace the things that he can do for you, but at least you could have a quality major leaguer out there, whether it's – you know, Mark Cannon is playing in right field tonight, whether it's Steven Piscotti, whether, you know, Josh Harrison is so versatile he could do a number of things for you. Seth Brown's on his way back up. Uh, 
with a left-handed bat. So there's some things that he can do. And they'll try to pick up the pieces and move on, but it's certainly a difficult guy to replace. Well, I'm going to look at it this way. This makes the the dynamic of Josh Harrison, how much is he going to be able to play, it makes it a lot easier now to have his terrific bat in the lineup every single day. And, you know, the thing that these statements, when they come out, you just, like, read the statements and you just go, but it's an anabolic steroid. As I said, you don't get it from eating Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, this is an anabolic steroid. You just can't go to GNC and buy an anabolic steroid. You know exactly what you're doing. So the statement. Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> maybe I should have done it. And maybe it would have been better. But it's Maybe just, you wouldn't have given up that 500-foot jack to the fat guy behind Kotze in the Fullerton lineup uh, then. Seriously. Um, but it is sad. But, I, I mean, as a, if I can take a positive out of it, I now know I'm not going to have a hard time getting Harrison in the lineup. Speaking of Mark Kotze, I think he Mark enjoyed Kotze. that comment, by the way. Uh, he's just walking by. But you know what? It's going to provide an opportunity for somebody to help and step up. And that's what's going to have to happen. Is it Stephen Piscotty who all of a sudden takes that position and runs with it? Um, but the team has to find a way to move on, and they will do it. And you mentioned Harrison. The other thing that I think is critical that he does for this team is the energy that he brings, right? You're losing one of those spark kind of players with Loriano. But Josh Harrison strikes me as the kind of guy that can do that. Now, he's not necessarily, look, he's not the right fielder or the outfielder. Ramon Laureano, since he debuted with the A's, you know, four years ago, has the second most outfield assist of any player in baseball, with Hunter Renfro of the Red Sox having the most. And Laureano does a lot of things that can help you win ballgames. So does Josh Harrison. They don't do it in the same way. But the things that I see between the two of them that they do provide that are similar is the energy and the infectious attitude he'll bring. Well, thank God they made those trades. Because yeah. imagine if they didn't make those trades and we got this news today. I, it would be devastating. I don't think it's devastating because of the guys that you've brought in. And we just mentioned you get make sure you're getting more at-bats for, I mean, you're, you're trading what? Ramon Laureano, Cody was hitting what? 240 what? Uh, Ramon was hitting 246 with 14 home runs. And like 40 driven in. And then yeah. now I'm going to be able to put in a guy hit, hitting 289. Yeah. Far different. Well, and also, but then again, you know, look, look at the defense, for example, that Ramon provides. And that's that's the harder thing, I think, to replace. Yes, the, the, the bats that he gives you and the spark that he can be there. But for me more so, guys, it's the, it's, it's the defense, right? With that arm, pe- people just don't run on him. The, they know not to run on Laser Ramon because he's got that cannon for an arm and it curtails the running game for other teams. Like, they got somebody at first and a single to right. They're going to think twice about going from first to third. Or they're thinking twice about trying to score from second base so or take that extra base on a base hit to the outfield. So that dynamic now comes into play where there isn't as much of a threat defensively in right field. You know, the one thing that I, I know the A's have been able to hang their hat on, which has been fantastic, and just talk about the starting pitching and the fact that if I would have told you in spring training the A's starters would have the most innings pitched, I bet we wouldn't have bet on that. No. Look, coming into the year, you know, Chris Bassett had been emerging. Frankie Montas had become a, a staple of this rotation. But there are questions about the back end of the rotation going into the season, right? But, okay, not many people knew what to expect from Cole Irvin. Was he going to win the job? Was it going to be Dalton Jeffries winning that job? And then the emergence of James Caprillion. And, look, 
there's optimism maybe he can make that start on Sunday. We'll see how it transpires. But reports were good about his throwing session today. But there was some unproven guys at the back end of the rotation. But with how consistent Cole Irvin has been and economical he has been in his starts, it really has been uh, a great find by Billy Bean and David Forrest to go get Cole Irvin who's helped stabilize this rotation and helped and given length to this rotation. And that's that's the thing as you talk about it, it. It puts the bullpen in a stronger position, Chris, because you're not as reliant on them when you're getting as many quality innings as you're getting from your starting pitching. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait for football season because we're going to have a Pac-12 pack, pack war inside this clubhouse. You got, okay, the Stanford contingent of Lowry and Piscotti, of course, with Mike Aldretti. Um, certainly the Cal contingent with Dalton Jeffries now joining Mark Cannon, of course, the skipper. You look around, uh, James Caprillion. I know that he claims UCLA, but as he admitted to you guys on this show, he actually roots for USC football. I can't believe he said that. I I was pretty shocked to see that also, that he that he To say said that, that live, that yeah. could come back as a Bruin. I, I just, you know, it's funny. I texted John Savage that, the UCLA baseball coach. Hey, your boy Cap just admitted this is what. <laughs> and he just sent me that the emoji back with a guy, a guy covering his eyes. Yeah. Like in disbelief. But there's, you know, we got some. There's going to be some quality football play. The Cole Irvin and Oregon guy, big big game for Oregon week two. They're going to Ohio State in the horseshoe. Ooh. So I, I got a feel that Cole Irvin will be dialed in on, on that one. It's a 9 a.m. Pacific kick, so he'll have time to watch that one, I think. 9 a.m. Pacific. That's yeah, ne- noon in, in Columbus. That is never good when our West Coast teams go Midwest East and they yeah. kick off in the morning because your body's not. Hey, my, my Cal Bears have not complained about it. They went to Ole Miss and Oxford had kicked at 9 a.m. Pacific Your Cal Bears and won. The last they went time to Chapel Hill, North game? Carolina. When's the last time you won a big game? 19. Dude, they went down to Stanford, and Chase Garbers led that game-winning drive for the score, and, and Cal won You're the game. You're the third best team in the Bay Area. That's not true. You're not as good as San Jose State. I didn't say that. <laughs> You're saying Stanford's three? I think let's let the season play out. Who's the bat in your in your in your educated professional opinion, Mr. College Football, okay. who has a Heisman Trophy vote? Yes, I do, and works for ESPN. Yeah, who's the best college football team right now in the Bay Area? <sighs> They're all very close. Um, I think you, Uncle Towney, and your mighty Spartans of San Jose State, which you know I've kind of adopted because yes. of my relationship with the head coach. You have the best quarterback. No doubt. Um, you have the best defensive player in the Bay Area with Cade Hall. Who's the best team? Simple question. You got three to choose from. I'm going with my alma mater. Come oh, on, man. Oh, sweet rough up. Come Cal. on. Well, wait a second. You, you can't take a look at the 20 season and judge Cal on that because no team was affected more by COVID than Cal last year. Right? You're playing your first game of the year against UCLA without a defensive line. Then the next two games you play, you don't have your offensive line because they're in quarantine. The only time that Cal had their full team was when they played Oregon and they beat Oregon, who were the quote-unquote Pac-12 champs. Even though they didn't win the Pac-12 North, Washington couldn't play in the championship game because of a COVID outbreak. So Oregon slides in and they beat USC, and they become the Pac-12 champions last year. San Jose State doesn't make excuses. They just win games. We're a football power. Yeah, how long how long has that been since you've uttered those words? 
Uh, we had some good teams back when Ken Korak was doing the play-by-play. Hey, Mike McIntyre, that that last year before he bolted for Colorado. The mil- we won the Military Bowl. Yeah. No, was it the Military or the Armed No, it was the right. The Military Bowl was in D.C. because the Armed Forces Bowl was in Texas. At, at, yeah. at old RFK. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be replaced by a Hall of Famer waiting in the wings here in Eric Nadell, one of the greats of all time. I'm, that's clearly stepping up in your ability for booking. I, I see is like I'm the undercard as the evening progresses. Like I'm the opening yeah, act. You're just warming up for the Hall exactly. of Famer. For God's He's sakes. coming in next. You start. Frank Sinatra's you coming. You set the you're bar low, then you jokes. keep moving up. Is that it? <laughs> what do you got this weekend? Uh, I got Giants Brewers tomorrow from my house. <laughs> yeah. Nothing says Major League Baseball hey, like the Peninsula. I'm not complaining the, about my commute. I've got plenty of food and refreshments in the refrigerator. Um, there's, I don't have to wait for a bathroom. Like between innings, I can just sprint and go. So, I, I'm not complaining. I bet your wife is like, when can we oh, get this guy out of the house? There's no doubt she is. <laughs> she is so sick and tired of seeing my ugly mug. All right, buddy. Have a good call. Okay. Sounds good. I'll talk to you in a bit. The great Roxy Burns. Are you on with me today? Yeah, it's me. Okay. Roxy Bernstein will be on A's Total Access, brought to you by Francis Ford Coppola Winery. We're going to have the Hall of Famer stepping in here as we get you ready for – no, don't go to break. Let's just go right to oh, Eric. Okay. All right. Um, you know, this is going to be, you know, an interesting day for, for us trying to follow this game uh, and figuring out who some of these guys are. I mean, obviously the A's and the Rangers have split, but uh, this is a far different Ranger team than, than we have seen. Some of the names really haven't heard of some of these guys, but – most importantly, we've heard of you, the Hall of Famer. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. How good is it to be back on the road? It's fantastic, especially to be here. You know, it's like 99 degrees in Texas, and here we are, and it's 70 degrees, and uh, went for a nice hike today in Berkeley, and it's beautiful. And you get your Chinese food fix. Get the Chinese food, and I, I get to see a ball game from one of my favorite vantage points here at the Coliseum. It's just, uh, this is great for us. Yeah, what's you know what a lot of people don't understand is that the new stadiums, they basically said we're not worried about the broadcasters. We want luxury suites, and I'll never forget when I was working with the Raiders down there in Miami at the new Hard Rock, or for Brent Mus. I worked with Brent Musburger, and his booth was so far to the side. It's like how do you? So this is so old school. It's still built for you guys to have a good broadcast. Yeah, it's great. We love it, and. You know, our ballpark in Texas has the booth high up, as a lot of the new ones do. So uh, going around the league and being back down low again, you feel the game a lot more. You know, you can do the game from up there, and we're getting used to it. But uh, it's just it's more fun the closer you are to the field. You know, last time we were there, they were building the new field. And I remember we went over to Texas Live for the barbecue, which was phenomenal, uh, and got to look in. But, of course, we haven't been able to travel. What is the new yard like? It's great. I mean, they did a wonderful job. The sight lines are fantastic. The decks overhang each other uh, more than in most of the recent parks. It's more like the old-fashioned parks that used to have poles so that the, the decks above were closer out toward the field. They've managed to engineer that now without poles. So the sight lines are excellent. The air conditioning's working great, <laughs> you know, with the temperature over 90 every day now. Uh, you know, it's really comfortable in there. It's also very loud. Um, so it, it will create, I think, over the years, a real big home field advantage for the Rangers. We haven't seen the roof open since the middle of May, you know, because of the weather situation. But when the roof is open, you know, it really feels like an outdoor regular ballpark. When the roof is closed, 
Uh, it's more of an arena type feel, I think, because of the way that the, the sight lines are. But, but fans seem to really like it. That area right behind home plate looks awesome. Oh, that's that, pretty cool. Those, that was those, TV, those yeah. dugout suites. Yeah, we've been down there during batting practice. Uh, haven't had the opportunity, of course, during a game, but uh, that's an amazing view. Yeah, I mean, just to be right behind home plate, and, you know, you have people serving you food and drinks. And, like. and it's closer to home plate than any backstop in baseball. It's only 42 feet. You know, they used to be 60, and then a lot of the newer parks now have gone to 52 feet, or old parks built. St- some seats out on the field so it's more like 52 ours is 42 feet um it's the closest you know when, when i when i think about the texas rangers and having the roof now has to be just great for everybody knowing that you're going to have 81 games you're not gonna have to worry about rain delays and 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 the heat i mean what does that mean that you have the roof what does that do for the fan base well this last homestand was a really good example we had a nine game homestand at the end of a nine game homestand in august i used to be wiped out i can only imagine what it was like for the players and how the fans existed during day games is still a mystery to me we had a game last sunday uh where it was in the 90s when the game started and a storm rolled in and in the eighth inning it started pouring outside we could hear the thunder you know as if we were right in the middle of it we would have had a rain delay of somewhere around three hours there it was a getaway day for seattle everybody would have been waiting around and instead you know we just listened to the rain outside finished the game and uh, went on to play again the next day. And at the end of the nine-game homestand, you know, we're, we're fresh as a daisy having played in air conditioning. Our players are able to go out and get early work. You know, they don't have the cumulative effect of the heat that they had in past years at the end of a long homestand like that. We used to look at the schedule, and you, if we'd see a three-team homestand in August, we were, like, totally dreading it. Now we, we welcome that. Yeah, because it's been said there's some really good Ranger teams that by the end of the year were just worn out from all the heat? And I believe that. I really do think it was a factor in a lot of those seasons. It was also a factor in trying to attract free agents to the club, especially pitchers. Uh, Pitchers don't want to pitch when it's 100 degrees. Um, It's really hard on them, especially if they're going to make half their starts in those conditions. So I think it'll help the Rangers uh, tremendously in trying to uh, attract pitchers to the ball club. You know, one of the issues the A's have had has been how they've played in division and split so far with the Texas Rangers. But just talk about how this is a different Ranger team than we've seen so far in 2021. Yeah, you know, you look at the numbers for the Rangers for the season, and they're not totally relevant given all of the changes. I mean, they traded their by far the most productive hitter in Joey Gallo. They traded their best starting pitcher in Cal Gibson, and they traded their closer in Ian Kennedy. Uh, So uh, naturally, there are a lot of guys playing here now who are basically auditioning and it's a land of opportunity, as Chris Young, the new general manager, said the other day. And a lot of guys are getting opportunities. You're seeing uh, a guy like Jason Martin. He was batting second tonight and playing left field. Uh, Eli White, who came over from the A's you know, in a trade two years ago, is on the injured list right now. He was playing every day in left field or center field. Well, he's on the injured list now, so Jason Martin's getting a chance. Andy Ibanez is now playing every day at second base. He's a Cuban kid who's been in the system for several years, never got a chance to play until this year. Uh, They just called up a guy named Yanni Hernandez, an infielder, who's getting a chance to play. They picked up DJ Peters on waivers from the Dodgers, you know, an outfielder with a world of potential who certainly wasn't going to crack the Dodgers outfield. 
uh, but he's getting a chance to play with the Rangers every day. So, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out who are the guys they want to build the club around in the future. And it's tough on the fans because they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to lose 100 games or more for the first time since 1973. Uh, but I think people understand that uh, in the rebuild process, sometimes that's what you have to do. And you don't have to look any farther than the Astros, who lost over 100 games three years in a row on their way to building it back up. Yeah, I feel bad for Ranger fans because you're opening up a new ballpark. COVID hits. You can't have fans. I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, we really haven't seen too many times people open up a building and then go into a rebuild. But but you understand because of the circumstances. Yeah, exactly. And the fans are still coming out. I mean, we're averaging 27,000 a game. And on weekends, we're getting over 30,000 a night because people want to experience the ballpark. And when they come out, they enjoy it regardless of where the team is on the, in the standings. And the team's played well at home. You know, they're just a couple of games under 500 at home. So the games have been entertaining for the most part. And, you know, people are having a good time and they're coming back. How much fun did you guys have with the trading deadline? Because we just absolutely loved it, covered it. It was, it was like a magical day. Well, we were really excited, too, because it was just a question of, you know, who was going to make the best offer for our three guys. You know, we knew for sure that Gibson and Kennedy would get traded. We weren't sure if anybody would make a big enough offer for Joey Gallo. Uh, but clearly the Yankees did. And, you know, the, the prospects, they're just names to me, and I know they have ratings attached to them, which don't necessarily mean anything to me. Only one of the guys is in the big leagues now, Spencer Howard, who made his Ranger debut yesterday, the pitcher they got from the Phillies. Uh, there may be another guy uh come up before the season's over but there's a chance we won't see any of those six guys this year yeah well what'd you think about what we did it's now a different lineup with what uh, david force and billy bean did well and fortunately now with loriano gone uh, it's a good thing that uh, Marte is here you know i haven't had a chance to see him very much as he's played in the national league his whole career but uh, i've been following what he's been doing since coming over here and and really looking forward to seeing him play i'll, I'll tell you we got far more athletic we got faster and we got guys that actually put the ball in play. You know, because the one thing that's been so tough with the A's is basically solo home runs, and that was it. And you got a bunch of guys hitting 215, 220, bringing in these guys, Annie Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. You brought in legit players, guys have been to all-star games, guys have won World Series rings. It just changed the dynamic, and, and, and it had to be done. Didn't know if they were going to be able to get it done, but it had to be done, especially now that we have no waiver wire process. Mm -hmm. It's changed It's changed how we do business. Right. Nobody's going to be adding anything of significance between now and the end of the season. So what you have now is, is what you're going to go with. And even in September now, you don't expand to 40 players. You just expand to 28. So you really are having to play with the team you've been given, you know, at least on August 1st. How do you like that we got rid of the waiver wire process? You know I'm not sure. There were so many interesting trades in August. And, of course, I'm not a guy who has to keep track of what might happen. That's not my job. And I yeah. know it, it's a lot easier on, on the writers and, and people who cover that sort of thing to not have to worry about that through the whole month of August up until that playoff eligibility deadline. Um, so, for me, it kept things more interesting to have it through August. But we've never had a July 30th like we had this year. So it, it may be worth the trade-off. Yeah, there's no Verlander with 10 seconds left going going to the exactly, Houston Astros. Exactly. <laughs> or even the Rangers, you know, in their two World Series years, uh, they always picked somebody up in August. And, you know, that was always exciting when your team's in the race and you're still able to add a guy. Yeah, you know, I, I look back at that. And, of course, we were rooting for you guys being American League people. 
it's just sad one of those teams didn't bring it home because those are really – and our buddy Wash, we love we love Wash. Yeah. It's kind of sad that that – it reminds you of certain teams, kind of like the Cleveland Indians. They had that run in the 90s. There are certain teams that were really good that you wish he was at least got one ring. Right, ultimately snake bit at the end. You know, and we felt really strongly that in 2011 the Rangers were a much better team than the Cardinals. In 2010, at least as good a team as the Giants and maybe, you know, on paper a better team. But uh, you have to play that way. And, well, the Rangers actually – did they just didn't catch a fly ball but uh, that's you know that's uh, water under the bridge and we all wonder as ranger fans how our lives would be different if nelson cruz had caught that fly ball well i gotta tell you it's just wonderful to be back in our office on the field here and yeah. seeing you guys traveling because most teams aren't traveling uh, what's the reaction when other broadcasters see you that they haven't seen you in a oh, year and a half? It's fantastic, and, and we haven't had them in our park except for Dan Dickerson of the Tigers. He's the only visiting broadcaster who's been to our park. I believe there are 12 teams that are traveling their radio guys now. Nobody's traveling their TV guys, but I think 12 of the 30 now are traveling the radio guys, and hopefully there'll be a few more jump on board before the season's over, and maybe next year we'll be really back to normal. Well, it's wonderful to see you. Great to see you, Chris. And we always appreciate having you on. Have a great call. Have a good time this weekend. Yeah. Hey, we're no matter what, what happens, we're back on the field. We're doing what we love. Right. Got two day games. And it's about Beautiful. being no, normal again. The weather's going to be fantastic, so yeah. have a great call. We'll see you throughout the weekend. Thanks. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Did you know that Jan Gomes married the daughter of former Giant All-Star, Atlee Hammerker? I want to say Roxy told me that the other day. So that's the only reason I knew that. If you if Roxy didn't tell me that ahead of time, I would have had no idea. No clue. Absolutely no clue. But I gotta tell you, you know, watching being down on the field, this is like the set this is only the second time of this homestand, right? Yes. I mean, just looking at the A's lineup, it's just a different deal. I think there's no question about that. And I've told you about the confidence that I now have in this group. And the thing for me is the record going forward, this is what I'm looking at. They're 2-1. and one. What's the record with the new lineup? It's a different ball club. It's a different dynamic. And this is a weekend right here where what you need to do is go out and you need to dominate this basically AAA lineup. That's what they are. You're a team that basically – has gone into full rebuild mode. And it's funny how everything is always going to be referenced about the Houston Astros. You know, no one wants to re- rep- wants to uh, reference the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Baltimore Orioles. What, what, what's wrong? The, the Pirates are in the middle of a rebuild, okay? They're building a bully for 2028. 
How long, how long has Baltimore been Ugh, in rebuild mode? Since they traded Machado in 2017. So Let's, let's see how Baltimore's doing this year. Uh, they're, they're in last place. They're the 26 games back. That's it? And they're 38 and 69. 38 and 69. That's not good. And Jan Gomes is going to join us here as we get ready for a little A's baseball as it's great to have him on for the first time. I'm Chris Townsend. I've been doing this show for years with the A's and just want to welcome you to the A's fan base. It's great to have you on the program. Well, I appreciate it. Do I stand up or sit down? You can do whatever you want. Oh, well, we'll sit down. So I got to tell you, uh, we were all so excited when this trade was made, uh, what you guys bring to the ball club. What was it like for you? No, I mean, obviously sad probably leaving the Nats, sure. but now you're coming to a ball club where you have an opportunity to win. Yeah, anytime a, a ball club that's, you know, in a playoff contention and just like these guys are here, uh, wanting you and trading for you is always a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing from a career standpoint. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's a great clubhouse. Uh, I've gotten to play against some of these guys a lot. Uh, they weren't very fun to play against. <laughs> it's a, a bunch of good young guys. So, uh, yeah, um, um, leaving D.C. was uh, definitely sad. That, that last week was uh, kind of a weird week. We all kind of, like, had heard that, Trades were about to happen, or we weren't sure what was going to happen. And uh, when you start seeing six or seven guys get traded all on the same day, uh, it's kind of a weird moment. But, um, you know, uh, now we're here. Uh, try to get this team uh, pushing them and uh, just do uh, just kind of follow suit. Uh, these guys are doing a great job already. So a former coach of yours, good friend of our program, Chip Hale, <laughs> we had him on once you guys were traded. And, you know, the thing that we talked about, about you guys coming over you're bringing championship pedigree. You know what it's like to be at the top to win a World Series. What do you see in this A's ball club that you think can maybe get you to that point? I think we're seeing the the because there's so many uh, of guys that have played together here, um, and you're starting to see them all come together. And it's you know it's like it's that that little hump. It's just, you just got to get over it, and then this next thing you know, this team is in the playoffs for a long time. I think this team's got the. Uh, capability of doing it our pitch, from our pitching staff to our bullpen and definitely the young core guys here. Uh, it's a, a really good ball club. They've smelt it before. They've been there. So it's just that um, it's just that like extra hump. Uh, we did it a couple of times when I was in Cleveland, um, definitely in D.C. We just, you know, you got hot at the right time. And I think this is a it's a dangerous club to play against. You know, when we talked to Chip, it, it was just it was so odd that every, you know, so many guys, it's like you guys in the Cubs so many guys were traded. What what was that like when all of a sudden, you know, you're looking around, everybody's getting dealt. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, and now Dodgers. I mean, what was that whole situation like? Yeah, um, the the last couple of days we were all um, kind of texting each other, uh, and we had that that small COVID outbreak, so we we didn't play a couple of games. But we had a lot of time to talk, and uh, it, it was strange for sure. Um, it was um, it was a very tight knit group. Uh, a lot of older guys, a lot of guys that. Uh, we're on that 19 group. Uh, we had a great time, obviously, you know, winning the World Series. And um, but we we saw it. We saw the writing on the wall. Uh, we um, we got we kind of got told that last couple weeks that uh, we had to do something or we were gonna trade because a lot of free agents coming and um, we um, obviously didn't play very well uh, that last week and uh, we saw what happened. Well, you come over with Josh, and now with the news with Ramon Laureano, I think it just looms large that his versatility, you know, can he play second? He can play third. Now he's going to be out and left. Just talk about what he brings to the table every day. And I think he'll, he'll bring even more than that that you, probably, you guys probably won't see. Uh, the guy's a, a tremendous energy in the clubhouse. 
definitely brings a, a lot of fun, no matter how he's doing or what's happening. He's going to bring uh, that fun atmosphere to um, with himself, and uh, I think that's something that you always need in the clubhouse. You know, when I think about you and when a catcher gets traded to a new team, you've got a whole new <laughs> pitching staff, right? Yeah. And that's the thing about a catcher. Not only do you need to know the starters, you need to know the relievers. Take us through that process, how you're learning these A's pitchers, and what makes them tick. Yeah, um, well, the what makes them tick, I probably don't know just yet. I think that's going to take a couple uh, couple outings. and uh, But really, it's just uh, uh, communication, just being able to um, really just have open communication with them. I uh, My main thing is like, hey, just let me know because I won't, you know, I've, you know, I've gotten to watch you guys, but I don't know what, you know, from a scout in the port, I, I can sit and read a paper and tell me how you pitch, but I want to know, you know, the guys and how they, you know, on the mound, can I have a conversation with you or, or do you guys, you know, like to be left alone? So uh, I think, um, you know, I've already kind of uh, started to build a little bit of a relationship with some of these guys, but um, I think within the next couple of days, uh, it's going to get better for sure. What's it like, uh, your manager? He's a former catcher too. Mm-hmm. How good is that? Oh, it, it, I think that part uh, is going to play uh, a huge factor. Uh, just having the uh, the open line of communication with with him and Marcus and even Emo. Uh, these guys are uh, they're they're really good guys to talk to already, and I'm excited to just uh, get to learn from them. You know, very rare when you get traded. Do you then have some days off at home, which <laughs> yeah. gives you so? T- I, I've been mentioning like this is big. Like you play in San Diego, sure. you have Monday off. You got to find a place to live. You play two games, mm-hmm. and you had yesterday off, mm-hmm. where you kind of get you know settled a little bit. How big were those days off for you? Uh, well, those days off are good because uh, you know the family's here, uh, getting to enjoy some uh, some of the last week with them. Uh, my daughter will start school, so they'll be heading home, way out east uh, in Tennessee. So. Uh, but this is going to be a hotel living for me. Uh, I'm not I'm trying to sign no lease or anything like that. I'm just going to try to stay in a hotel, having somebody clean my room when I when I'm not there. So uh, since my wife is not there, so uh, but really um, those days off are good. But uh, I also kind of want to spend some more time at the ballpark, uh, kind of get to know the guys. So uh, I'm excited for you know the road trip and um, just to get uh, even though we have another another off day coming up, but. Uh, just get some games in under my belt and uh, just getting to learn more and more from these guys. Well, I know you got to get to meetings, but I just want to tell you that th- this fan base is jacked right now. They yeah. were so excited. Also, with Starling coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys bring all-star games and World Series rings, and we're just thrilled to have you here. And this is a sprint. I don't even want to talk wild card. It's about chasing down those Absolutely. Astros. Absolutely, man. We're uh, we're not settling for the wild card. We're definitely uh, pushing the pushing the limit where it goes. Well, it's good to meet you. Good luck, and we'll talk to you later on during the season. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. The new catcher for your Oakland Athletics, Jan Gomes, right here on A's Cast Live. And as you know, you heard it right there. This, what, what, what are they bringing to the party? They're bringing rings, man. These are just not guys. These are these are these are legit major league players who have had fantastic careers, and you've seen the at bats. How about the at bat the other day? where he gets down 0-2, works the count back into a favorable count, and gets the game-tying hit. This is somebody's not out there hitting 205 for God's sakes. This is a legit Jan Gomes. You didn't bring Jan Gomes here to be a backup catcher. I mean, uh, are you kidding me? I thought you were going to go with, you don't, you, don't, you don't hire David Ross to be a puppet. I thought that's where you were going with that line, but you're right. That at-bat was a, that was a crucial at-bat. I remember I was listening on A's cast, and, and Vince's, call, you know, Vince's call of the tying the game, and Roxy's call of the walk-off was they were both great, and that was a great, uh, you know, clutch pinch hit at bat for him 
when he wasn't even playing. So they have him come in and play and they, they deliver. Uh, it was great. And this is why you bring him here. He has won a World Series ring in 2019 with the the, uh, the Astros, the Nationals. Don't you dare. Against, against the Astros. Don't you dare. Yeah, against the Astros that uh, he won that World Series. So uh, I'm glad he's here. I mean, I remember watching him play in Cleveland, and then he gets then he goes to the Nats, and he's been great. He was great for the Nats. So uh, it's been it's been exciting to watch him play for the A so far. Well, I'm gonna tell you this: Sean Murphy's got to hit because if he doesn't, it's gonna make that decision really really easy. Because I'm looking at it right now, Sean Murphy's hitting 218. Two, got, 218. What, thir- 13 homers though, right? How many are solos? About uh, all of them. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. It's a lot of solo, but he does. Runs. The reason I think the reason why he's in the lineup today is because he has two home runs against Fulte this year. Mike Fultonevich, buying or selling, Mike Fultonevich will break Burt by Burt be home by 11's record of 50 home runs allowed in the season this year. That's the, that's the record. 50. 50. Is, he's a 31 right now. But wait, wait a minute. How but, many starts did Burt? Burt probably made like 36 starts. Uh, let's see. That was back to in, be to be fair. That was back in 1986 by Burt Blylevin. I see. guarantee you he went at least 33 starts. Uh, Burt ha- Burt's first on the list and third on the list for most home runs wow. in the season. How's that possible? Uh, Burt Blylevin. And it was a back-to-back years. 1986, he allowed 50 home runs and 36 starts. There you go. See? It, That's not as bad. Then the next year. He allowed 46 home runs and 37 starts. So uh, he actually got better. See what I'm saying? <laughs> See, it's one thing you look and go, hey, how did he give up 50? Well, uh, he he was in 37 games, 36 games. What's Fulte at? Uh, 31, and uh, let's see how many starts Fulte's at. Also, what kind of ball were they using back then? Because Burple I-11 allowed 50 and 46, and then the next year in 33 starts, he allowed 21. Uh, that's a drastic uh, decrease in home runs allowed. Uh, I guess he's pitched a different ballpark, but uh, Fulte this year is two and ten with a six ERA and twenty one starts, thirty one homers and twenty one starts. So you wow. figure the might, area sports guy, what's up, bro? You figure he might, yeah. You figure he might get twelve more starts. What? So that we have him thirty three. So twelve more starts, he needs to give up nineteen more home runs. It's that's very doable. Well, that could that could definitely uh, they could add to it today. There, but you know they have to get better in division. I mean. And that's the whole thing, like we just said with Jan. It's like, I don't want to – you talk wild card when the division is done. Right now, there's – it's a four-game lead. That's it. That can be evaporated in a weekend. Aren't the Astros in San Diego? No. Or, you, want, you want a good – you want a good – no, they, they're not in San Diego. You want where a, are they? Uh, I'd have to look. You want a good stat about the Astros, though? Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros. This don't is a, give me strength to schedule crap. This, I don't even want to hear the that. The Astros' next game against a team currently in a playoff position is nearly a month away. A three-game set in San Diego on September 3rd through the 5th. That's their only such series in the next 50 days. The Astros have the easiest uh, remaining at, schedule of any American League team. They're at home against Minnesota. Ugh. Well, they still got some boppers in that lineup. Well, you know, the whole thing is you got to take care of your business. And being 5-5 five and five against this Ranger team, is it 5-5? Five and 5-5, five? Yes, five five, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's unacceptable. And now, I mean, no offense, these guys are getting paid. They're big leaguers, but this is not a good ball club, and this is truly not a good ball club on the road. I mean, this is one of those deals to where you need to handle your business. Okay. You, you got to start handling your business Against against teams in division and teams that are not that good, and that's exactly where the Texas Rangers are at this point. If you just start looking at the schedule, oh boy, they're, thir- they're sorry, they're thirteen and forty on the road. Because you have, I mean, if you if you start to 
you start to look what's coming up. All right, you got a, a Cleveland, Texas, then on to a four-game set against our old friends Liam Hendricks and Tony Larusa. Well, Craig Kimbrell had a good good uh, good outing today for the uh, White Sox. He gave up more runs for the for the White Sox today and two thirds of an inning than he did all year for the Cubs. So, well, panic they, panic time in the South Side. Well, that w- what did they say? If you're going to pitch him, pitch him in the ninth. Don't pitch him in the eighth or the seventh. Yeah, the, the, this is a Cubs lineup that featured Frank Schwindel hitting cleanup and Greg Dykeman hitting fifth. Are you serious? And his major league debut today because I mean, Jason a, Hayward won the injured list. I mean, you think of how good some of these Rangers teams used to be coming in here. Beltre. And now you look out there and you're like, I don't even know who any of these guys are. Like, seriously. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, I mean. Yeah, you'd have Elvis at short. You'd have Beltre. Remember the days of Michael Young, Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, they had they had some dudes back in the day. Do we have David Force, the general manager? David, how are you? What's up, Chris? How's it going? Uh, we're back on the field. We're watching the Rangers take batting practice. We're getting a little more normalcy, and it's actually really, really nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you've been out there quite a bit recently, huh? Yeah, so you know, I hate to lead the show off, and I know that no one likes to talk about it, but just it's just sad Ramon Laureano is going to be gone for the rest of the season into next year. Yeah, I mean, I figured you'd ask. I didn't think you were going to lead with Iggy coming back to the Warriors, so <laughs> I was kind of pre- I was kind of prepared for that one. <laughs> I've actually seen you at Warrior games with your son before. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, it's. It is. It's disappointing. It is sad. Um, you know, I, I, I feel bad for Ramon. I feel bad for the other guys in the clubhouse, uh, for our fans. But, um, but this is what we do. We, you know, we, we sort of move on. We have guys who step up, and I, I can't. I can't even remember how many times I've talked about this over the last few years. Whether it's an injury or, or something like this, we have guys who are capable of stepping up and, and kind of picking up the slack. So uh, take us through, like, what happens. Obviously, you're suspended. You're going to leave the clubhouse. Is he still able to interact with the ball club? Can he go down to Arizona and still work out? How does the process go? Yeah, I mean, he can do all those things. He he can be around if he wants. He can go to Arizona and work out. But, I mean, the reality is he's he's out for the rest of this season regardless. So I I think Ramon will take some time away. Um, You know, we'll talk – We'll talk in a few weeks or whenever about if he wants to work out. I, I, I'm guessing he's going to want to play winter ball to, to catch up on some of the time he missed. But um, but all those things, you know, for now, I think he just wants to, to kind of get away and clear his head a little bit. You know, it, it makes the trades even more important because now you can't replace a guy with the August waiver wire process. And I want to always be a guy that's glass half full because I really believe in this team. And if I'm going to be glass half full, you tell me. I think this makes it easier to get Josh Harrison in the lineup every day. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, look, we, we made these trades uh, with the idea that Ramon would be here and these guys would be around him and, and we'd add, we'd add um, not rather than replace. Um, but, yeah, this, this opens up opportunities for a lot of guys. I think you saw – just in the last few games, some of that get squeezed for guys like Steven and Mitch. Um, and we know we've got Chad coming back here, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, again, glass half full. It opens up opportunities for guys that maybe were getting squeezed and guys that have some, some experience and, and maybe are ready to step up. 
And another guy, Stephen Piscotti. Where are we with his wrist and his health? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, he's he's had a couple shots in that wrist, and um, you know he's he's given us everything he's got. And and obviously, you know, he hasn't been in a starting role now for a little while, which is an adjustment. But I think Steven's got a lot of good baseball left in him. So uh, I know he's talked to Bob a couple times. I know they even spoke today after the Ramon news came out, and he absolutely wants to you know be a contributor on this club. You know, I thought the trading deadline was was fascinating, and of course, you know, I'm watching I'm watching the show on MLB Network on my computer. I got the ESPN show, and deals are just flying all over the place. You, you know, you're obviously working deals, but as you're working deals, all these these announcements are coming down. What was the trading deadline like for you and your guys in the war room? Yeah, it, it was it was so busy that you and I didn't get a chance to catch up last Friday. So I'm I'm sorry about that, but it was a it was a hectic day for sure. And um, you know, just like everything else, the last 18 months, this one was was different for us because we we weren't all in a room together. We were we continued to be spread out. We're still not working in the offices. Um, so we you know we use text, we use Slack, we use whatever we can to communicate and. Our group is so good at, at running down information, and Dan or I or Billy have a conversation with another club, and and then you know then we send out these these notes say hey get us information on this guy and and everyone in our baseball department Pike and David and Ben Sam all these people that you've heard about they're so good at, at getting back to us and we really you know we really had everything we needed to have those conversations obviously to to consummate a number of deals that we were excited about. Like, I can't even imagine what it was like for you as you're on these phones and you're talking to your staff and you're talking to the other teams. Heck, I was just sitting on my couch and I could barely keep up with it. Uh, how, how did you keep up with all the different trades that were going on? I, I didn't. I mean, that's the short, the short answer is I didn't. I literally, like, you know, that day the deadline was at 1 and at, like, 4 something, I'm on Twitter scrolling. I was like, Oh wait, Soria ended up getting traded. Like there were things that I didn't see for for hours. It just it was too much to keep up with. So um, it, look, I think it was great for the game. Obviously, a lot of teams uh, were active in, in getting better, and then there were a few teams that that really went full fire sale. So it was an interesting interesting day. Don't you think it's good for the game that we had so many buyers? So many teams wanting to get better. Even teams that weren't even 500 were buying. Wouldn't you say that's great for the sport? Without a doubt. I mean, we, we've sort of faced so much of this, uh, you know, kind of talk radio stuff about tanking and no one's really in it and, and only the, the high, you know, the big market teams are going for it. I, I think all that stuff goes by the wayside when you have a deadline where, you know, more than half the teams are adding some significantly. Uh, and like I said, you only had a couple t- I mean, the Cubs and the Nationals kind of come to mind as the teams that really went whole hog in terms of, of moving players. And we benefited from that a little bit with, with both of them. But, um, but, yeah, I think it's great for the game. Do you like this better, or would you still like to have the waiver wire process? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Can I can I answer that in like twenty days when I see if we needed a player or not? <laughs> we'll talk I, to you in know. September. There's, some, <laughs> there's there's something nice about saying, "Hey, this is the deadline. You got to get it done this day or not at all." I think there's something competitive about that. Um, you know, obviously we have 
you know, as recently as 2019, uh, you know, gotten guys in August. And so I, I don't know. It, it can go both ways. You sort of see it from, from your selfish perspective. But nothing gets done in this game without a real deadline. I mean, we see that with trades. We see it in the draft. We see it in arbitration. So to put some sort of finality on the July 31 date and say, hey, you better get guys this day or you're not getting them, there's, you know, that's probably part of the reason you saw what you did last week. Well, I got to tell you, so excited about the three bats that you brought in. We just had Jan Gomes on the program, and I, I've been telling the fan base, you just didn't bring in some guys. You, you you got guys with pedigree. You got guys that got World Series rings. You got guys that have been in All-Star games. Just talk about bringing in these veterans who are guys that have won in their career. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned specifically the three position players, and, and each guy comes with – a little, you know, a little flag, to be honest. I mean, Starling is, we've seen in just over a week what Starling can do to a game. I mean, that game in Anaheim on Sunday, hits, stolen bases. I mean, I keep telling Bob, if stealing bases is that easy, we should be doing it all the time. Because um, he, he is so much fun to watch. Um, and the other the guys from the Nationals, you know, guys, like you said, who've been in postseason, Josh Harrison brings an energy and, and just like a, a uh, a dynamic sort of profile that we don't have, even just in the dugout on the field. And Jan, Jan's such a pro. I mean, you saw with that at bat in the ninth inning the other day against Melanch and just the way he battled, sized him up, and, and came through when we needed. So I've been hearing great things about Jan Gomes for years, and it's nice to finally have him on our side. You know, I think about it, and I hear it in the postgame show all the time where everybody's just talking about rent players it's not necessarily true, right? I mean, there always is the possibility that these guys could love playing here. You love having them here, and they're. I mean, we got a long way to go, but there always is the possibility, isn't there, that these guys could come back? You're right. Yeah. I mean, yes. On paper, these guys are, are free agents at the end of the year, and you're you're only guaranteed their services for two months. But but what better way to to get to know a guy and maybe get sort of the inner track on, on signing him and to have him here and expose him to our clubhouse and, and really see what it's about being in Oakland. So, um, yeah, if it ends up that way, you know what, it was, it was worth it, but, but you always have the chance to bring a guy like this back. And I always try and say, like, when you guys are good, you guys are going to go for it. And, like, people, like, forget that you always make trades when the team is good. Uh, t- just tell us, you know, what that philosophy is about always wanting to ha- help the team and win now. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. And I, I said it, I think, either to you or to the media a couple of weeks ago, I said when the guys, the guys in the clubhouse put themselves in position to be in a playoff spot, be in the race, like – the only thing that we can do for them is to try and add at the deadline and try and give them some more help. I mean, they, they work so hard. They get themselves there. Um, you know, most of the time, frankly, we, we sit around and watch, but there's a couple times a year when we can actually impact what's going on. And, and they, they certainly played well enough the first four months and put themselves in a wild card spot and within reach of the Astros for us to say, let's, let's see what else is out there. So we haven't been able to talk to you about the trade, but just, just how tough was it to part with Jesus Lazardo? Yeah, that was that was kind of the you know, I don't know if I'd say the, the downer of the deadline, but certainly the, the toughest conversation we had, and and you know we felt we felt so excited about making that trade initially to bring Jesus here a few years back when we were frankly 
on the other side of this process and traded Madsen and Doolittle and, and really felt like we hit a home run bringing Zeus back. And, um, you know, the, the reality is that this is kind of a short-term, short-term game, and, and we knew what we were looking for now, and we weren't going to be able to have a conversation about Starling without Jesus being in it. And, and we choose to focus on what we're bringing in. I have no doubt Jesus has a lot of good baseball ahead of him, and, um, but, but our focus was on the 21 team and now, and uh, obviously just you know, wish Jesus the best. My guess is we'll see him across, across the diamond sooner rather than later. What do you think he needs to work on to improve, to get to be the pitcher that a lot of people think he can be? I don't, I don't know that there's one thing, Chris. I mean, I think we talked about fastball command. We talked about pitching ahead. We talked about a little more deception with his off-speed stuff. I mean, there's, these are little things when you're talking about a 23-year-old guy who's touching 99 every time out there and has two pitches. There's just little and it wasn't – wasn't coming together for him in time. We thought to help this year's club, um, but it will. I, I don't doubt that it will. You know, when you talk about bringing a guy up, could kind of be like making a waiver wire process trade. Uh, AJ Puck throwing the ball well again down in AAA. What are you seeing from the big left-hander? Seeing a really good fastball and re- you know, really, really good velocity out of AJ every time out. He's- you know, he's back to 97, 98 every time out and, and pitching multiple innings out of the pen. So you're right. He, he could be a really important uh, sort of acquisition at some point in the next six, seven weeks. We'll, uh, you know, we, we talk about him a lot. We'll figure out if there's a spot, but nice to see him pitching, pitching well down there. And I think about guys that can be so valuable, David, in the postseason because of the days off in a series – just how important is that guy that can come out of the pen and give you two to three quality innings? It's just, it's just, it's a main position. Talk about that in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, we've seen you know, it's it's a little bit of a different game in the postseason. You know, once you get there and, you, like you said, you've got those days off. You're not not going with a five man rotation, and you're uh, you're sort of running your bullpen differently and multiple innings, guys have been critical we you know we've used UC that way a little bit in the past and other guys so um yeah having having that dynamic in a postseason bullpen would be great let's 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 work on getting there and then we'll figure out who it is let's end on this how many games do you think Andre Iguodala will be able to play for you and will you will you put him on LeBron James again like you used to put him on hey all I know is Steph was excited in his tweet today, so I'm excited, too. That's all I need to know. Well, you know what it is. He got his golfing buddy back is what it is. Exactly. If they're they're out there happy on the links, that makes Steph happy on the court. I imagine (laughs) that's the the formula Bob Myers is looking for. Well, great stuff as always, David. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Sounds good, Chris. David Force here on the David Force Show. I didn't even know until I got here today that Andre Iguodala was back with the Golden State Warriors. He was the most expensive glue guy (laughs) in the history of the NBA, but he ended up being instrumental in what he could do, especially defensively. I mean, when when you basically say a guy, hey, go cover LeBron James, obviously that's not easy to do. It it isn't, but then uh, 
there are so many good memories with Iguodala, and there's always that one where LeBron blocked his layup off the backboard. And then, oh, you always have to go negative. Well, you, you always got to go bring negative. the bad with the good. You always got to go south, don't you? But it was it was a good move to bring him back. I think he's come back on like the minimum deal too. Well, so how old is he? Thirty-seven. He's going to hit a couple big shots with them. Well, though. you know, he and Steph both uh, play Cal Club. That's their that's their spot. The wonderful country club right next to the airport in South San Francisco. Uh, I know Steph is still a member. I don't know. I don't know if Iggy is still a member there, but uh, Steph's golfing buddy's back. Uh, from what I've heard from sources, uh, Iguodala does not like the nickname Iggy. Just like uh, Kevin Durant does not like the nickname Slim Reaper. So uh, if he's coming back, the uh, media and the fans are going to stop calling him Iggy because he doesn't like that nickname. Who was the host of the pre- and post-game show the last time the Golden State Warriors won a title? Matt Steinmetz? Nope. He wasn't (laughs) the host. He was a color guy. (laughs) Who was the last host? Who's the last guy to host both? On the radio, both parades. You. Yeah, huh? Warriors haven't won since I left. Don't forget that. Well. But then I can't really brag because my Raider career was uh, one winning season. Yeah, Derek Carr broke his leg at this very place we're at right yes, now on Chris, Christmas Eve. Against the Indianapolis Colts. I was at that game. Was, I, hey, I, I did 8-8. I did eight and eight. With, uh, We're not losers anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was his name? That was, that, was that Tom Cable? Tom Cable. We're not. We're not losers anymore. And then Hugh Jackson, eight and eight. We're building a bully. <laughs> and then Jack Del Rio goes what thirteen and three, and then he gets fired. What a year? The next a year. year, later, a year yeah. later. Come on. Come on. Because uh, John Gruden's the greatest coach of all time, and they're going to start winning Super Bowls with Gruden. How's that worked out? Yeah. Well, it, it hasn't. That's the thing. Yeah. It really hasn't. God, my Raider career, I can't even imagine. I mean, I could actually go add it up. But it's so under 500, it's disgusting. You know, there, <laughs> I mean, there was, was bad. There was something in there that David said that really triggered us both at the same time when he said, well, if stolen bases were this easy, why were we doing all the time? Uh, Billy Bean told me Moneyball. Another thing, no more stealing. That's what I do. That's what you pay me to do. No, I pay you to get on first, and I get thrown out a second. This is a process. It's a process. It's a process. Yeah, so it's a process. It's a, yeah. I, I, we, well, I you know what? There was there was one thing that I didn't bring up, and the reason why I didn't bring it up because I don't want to get fired. Do you know what that is? No. That happened in that game on Sunday multiple times. Oh, bunting. Starling Marte tried to bunt for a base hit. I was not going to bring that up with the GM because that I mean, next thing you know, I could get suspended. I could get fired. Uh, that, that's a touchy subject. Bunting. But that's what – I mean, Mark, let me tell you something since we've been on the field that I've noticed is how ripped Starling Marte is. Well, that was one of the things like – He's – he's. I would say, to use a football analogy, he's built like a strong safety. I mean, he's got shoulders. He's got huge biceps. You see his, his neck. I mean, Marte looks like he could put a, put a licking on you in football. He uh, so when when they when he played for the Pirates, they, they wrote a book about the the Pirates rebuild. Uh, Travis Sawchick, friend of the program, wrote a, a book, uh, Big Data Baseball, and there's a chapter about Marte and how they found him in the, in the Dominican Republic and how he was malnourished down there, how he was so skinny and everything. And you look at him now, almost ten years later, and you look ripped. at him, he's a completely different player. 
seriously, he is I, – I don't know. Look him up. See what it says. But he, he's got to be 225, an all-muscle. According, let's see, baseball reference. And he can run like the wind. I mean, he is a terrific athlete. And the other thing that David said that I'm going to be – It says on here 6'1", 195 on baseball No way. Reference. He's over 200 pounds. Yeah, baseball reference uh, hasn't checked his weight lately. No way. So, I'll be saying this in the postgame show because everybody – you know, I've been getting the calls lately about, I, hey, I really like this guy. I like the – just because at, at right now it looks like they're rent players who's to say that, you know – they don't fall in love with it here and go, you know what? I want to be here. I want a chance to win. I mean, Jan Gomes talking about, hey, listen, I'm, I'm in that clubhouse. This is a group that's got a shot. So to, to think of these guys as just rent-a-players, I don't think it's right. I think these guys actually could do something. I think they could do, you know, they could stay here. Who knows? See, that's the thing about Oakland. You never know how it's going to play out. You think it may go one way, and then it goes somewhere completely opposite. Proof, Jesus Lazardo. Would you have, if I would have said to you at the start of the year that Jesus Lazardo will be traded at the deadline, what would you have said? Not happening. You would have said, no way, you're crazy. Iron sharpens iron. You would have said, you're crazy. But what happened? He got traded. And, no. and he started the game already for the Marlins. No, he only went five innings, but he went five innings. Three. Did he give a home run? He gave him three runs. Uh, he did give up a home run. I forget who it was to. I can pull it up. But he, he, did give up a, he did give up a home run. He gave up three runs. He got the win. The Marlins did win that game. Uh, as the Mets are uh, – yeah, they're getting tracked down by the Phillies. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Franzen's Phillies are coming. Because apparently, according to everyone, Bryce Harper could win the MVP. Over and under, over and under, how many teams Jesus Lazardo will play for in his career? Mm, he's, here, he's already on three. Well, he didn't make it with the Nats. So, the Oakland and the Marlins. Like, how many teams do you think he plays for? Because he isn't going to be in South Florida forever, I guarantee you that. I bet he bounces. If I had to bet, I bet he'll at least play for five teams. I think he'll be a guy that gets bounced around. I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out and become this ace-like pitcher that people claimed he was going to be. I think he's the kind of arm that people will look at. He's left-handed. They look how hard he can throw. He'll get opportunity. But I got a feeling Jesus Cesardo will be a guy that bounces around the big leagues. Still could have a nice career, make good money. I just don't see him being an established guy on one team for a long time. Uh, he won five innings, allowed four hits, three runs, three earned, three walks, five strikeouts, one home run. The home run was to oh, well, who do you think it was to? They have one guy in the Mets lineup. Polar Bear. The Polar Bear, of course. <laughs> Pete Alonso's 24th home run of the year was allowed by the guy that's allowed a lot of home runs this year, uh, Jesus Lazardo. I think that was I, his I 12th mean, home if, run allowed. If Jesus Lazardo, oh, wow, Rangers taking BP and the guy in the, uh, you know, they don't wear helmets during BP. But the guy at the plate, whoever he is, almost got drilled in the head. Watch your lips on that one. I mean, he fully went back. You don't really see that too often in BP when your own pitcher <laughs> drills you in the head, <laughs> your own coach. Um, if Jesus Cesaro took the ball every five days, do you think he could approach Purple Lemon's record if he had 30-something starts? 
Uh, well, he's at what? He's at what? I say he's at twelve already, and I think he's at fourteen home runs he's given up. No, it was eleven when he got traded, and he gave up one the other day. Uh, and he's supposed to start. I think he'll start tomorrow for the Marlins if they kept him on schedule. Um, he's allowed. He has allowed home runs. Yeah, twelve so far this year. And how many starts? And six. So that's two per start. Wow. No, sorry, seven starts. Sorry, because I, I didn't add in the one with the Marlins. So 12, and so. There's, st- there's still some people that think it's a bad trade. I don't. After what I'm seeing with Marte and what he brings every single day, and now with Ramon Laureano out for the rest of the season, how pivotal now is it that you made that trade? When you think about it. Yeah. Without remote, I mean, because let's say you don't make that trade. What are you doing in center field? You know what you're doing? You're probably doing Mark Canna. And he, he's done well in center field. I know, but, I mean, he's not Marte. No, he doesn't have the arm Marte. Marte Parte. There you go. I'm glad it's catching on. Marte Parte. As I still have from one of my friends of Pittsburgh who started that, that even the broadcasters were using. Uh, Marte has more stolen bases than uh, RBI on the year. It's pretty incredible. And as much as I like the laser, you, you still got a guy who's been hitting 230 throughout the year. He's gotten it up in the 240s. You're now going to bring in Harrison. Harrison's now going to play every day for sure. It's not going to be a tough conversation like I thought it was going to be. You know, because it's like, well, is Jed just going to DH and Harrison plays second? I mean, now you can just say, Harrison, go play left field. Yeah. Or however you want to do it, you're going to have his bat in the lineup every single day, which for me is really critical. Yeah, it is, and it's and he, you know what he's you know he's gonna be able to do with the bat defensively. Ramon was kind of more of a, known for his defense this year more than anything. He had the 14 home runs, but the 246 average leaves a lot to be desired. After you saw what he could do with the bat last year in the last couple of years. So. All right, who are we throwing it to? We're gonna uh, we're gonna do Vince Catronio at the community spotlight. Love it. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. We want to thank Roxy Bernstein, the Hall of Famer Eric Nadell, Jan Gomes, and David Forst. And I'll be back with A's Total Access at 540. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a few. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.